right? God wants you healed. But let's go to Acts chapter 10 and verse 38, and let's read this. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Notice again how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing, what's that word? All. Now, let me ask you something. It says he went about healing all. Now, all sicknesses, would that include diabetes? Would that include cancer? Would that include COVID? Would that include arthritis? Would that include allergies? Would that include sinuses? Would that include the common cold? All means all, right? But now there's another thing that all means. Unbelievers. Will God, will Jesus, did he go around healing unbelievers? All means all. Did he go around healing those in sin? All means all. Did he go around healing those who were struggling in their faith and even had unbelief? All means all. All right? Now, I want, to, I want you to ignite your imagination for a minute. Use your imagination, and I want you to imagine we're going to bring the two worlds together, the world that Jesus lived in 2,000 years ago and the world we live in today. Imagine you're filming a documentary, and you get to interview each and every individual who was healed by Jesus in the four Gospels. And they're sitting before you, and you ask them the questions, how are, how are you healed? They're, each person's answer would be different. How was you healed? When was you healed? Uh, what made you go to Jesus for healing? Every answer would be different. But... You finished, the, you finished each interview with one question. Was it easy to be healed by Jesus? Every single individual would say to you, yes. Yes. Now, here's what I'm getting at. So, why is it in the Gospels that healing seems so easy, but in our experience, healing seems difficult? Let's be honest, right? Let's not, let's not act like we are, you know, we're the super dupers and we don't struggle and every time we pray, man, it instantly works. No, why is it as a whole that healing was so easy in the Gospels but in our modern churches, in our modern Christianity, in our modern world, healing seems so hard? Why does it seem like it's easier to get rid of a headache taking ibuprofen than it does healing, uh, praying for it? Why? I, I'm, not, I'm not condemning anyone for taking ibuprofen. I got a headache, I'm going home, guess what I'm doing? I'm taking ibuprofen. Get rid of the headache. I don't want to waste my day with a headache. I'm going to take the ibuprofen. But listen to me what I'm saying. In the Gospels, it was just as easy to get healed by Jesus as it was to take an ibuprofen and get rid of the pain. It was, I would dare say, it was easier. Because ibuprofen, you take it, what you got to do? You got to wait a little bit. Got to give that baby time to start working. But Jesus, instant, right? So why is it that in the Gospels, healing is easy, but today it seems so hard? All right? 
This title, I'm titling this message, It's Easy to Be Healed by Jesus. And part of that is I want us to, to begin to think this way. Go with me to Exodus chapter 23 and verse 25. Exodus 23, verse 25. So God's speaking here to His covenant people, the children of Israel. And he says, so you shall serve the Lord your God, and he will bless your bread and your water. Look here. And I will take sickness away from the midst of you. And what happens when he does that? No one shall suffer miscarriage or be barren in your land. Here's the, here's the powerful part. I will fulfill the number of your days. See, listen, we got to understand the whole idea, well, when it's my time to go, it's my time to go. That's not biblical. The Bible talks over and over about those who shorten their lives and those who extend it. Over and over. Right? You don't, there's not a time circled on a calendar uh, that God says that's the moment you have to die. When it's your time, you've got to go. That's not biblical. Alright? Um, but, so here he says, but I will fulfill the number of your days. What's the number of my days? It says there, there's a number. You know what the number is? When you're satisfied. With long life, he will, what? Satisfy me and show me his salvation. Right? So when is the number of my days fulfilled? When I'm satisfied. When I can say like Paul, the time of my departure is at hand. I am now ready. See, I think it's powerful in Philippians chapter 1 when Paul says, you know, I'm, 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 I'm torn between two. I don't know if I want to stay here and live or if I want to die and go be with Jesus. I'm torn between the two. We read that, we quote it, and we miss the next thing he said. But what I will choose, I don't know. So Paul was saying, i got a choice. I can choose when I check out. Now listen, there's no condemnation for those who decide to check out early. I got a hotel reservation this week in Tennessee, and I promise you if I leave before Friday morning at 10 o'clock, I promise you the hotel won't be upset. Right? So we don't get upset when people decide they want to check out early. Right? But when are you satisfied? But anyways, look here. And I will take sickness away. Now, I will take away. Those are four English words, but it's only one Hebrew word. And in the Hebrew, it's powerful. It means to turn off. So listen what he says. If you'll serve the Lord your God, and we're going to get to that later, and he will bless your bread and your water, and he will turn sickness off. Do you believe that it is that easy? That it is so easy as on, off, on, off, on, off. Because if you ask the people who were walking and they got healed by Jesus, they're like, it's just like he flipped the switch. One minute I was sick, the next second I'm healed. One second I was lame, the next second I'm walking. One second I was blind, the next second I see. One, one moment I had tumors all in my body, the next moment I was completely healed of them. Right? It was that easy, so easy, that it was as if he just turned it off. Now listen, the purpose of the Scriptures is not just to fill your head with information. One of the purposes of Scripture, and listen, that's important. Mind renewal is important. We need the right information. 
But the Scriptures, God gave us the Scriptures to paint images on our heart. So when He says here, I will turn sickness off in you, He's trying to paint a picture in your heart that whatever it is you're struggling with, whatever it is you're dealing with, all you got to do is flip the switch. And if you'll let me flip the switch, you'll be healed. Now people say, yeah, but that don't work. No, 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 no. We're painting a picture. I don't care what your experience is. We're painting a picture. All right? So I will turn sickness off from the midst of you. Now let me ask you this. Do you think healing is that easy? Now be honest. Let's just be honest. Listen, we've got th- I've got things in our house, listen, we've dealt with for years. But let's be honest, we can't, Jesus, Jesus is the Savior of the world. But He's the Lord of the church. That word Lord means He's ruler. He calls the shots. So if I want to operate as Jesus operated, then He must be my example. And for Jesus, healing was easy. All right? For Jesus, healing was easy. So, do you believe healing is that that easy? And if not, that's what we're going to work on this morning. Right? That's what we're going to work on this morning. So, let me say this. I'm going to tell you this, and I want you to hear me. The, The main reason that we struggle with healing today, hear me, is unbiblical stipulations. What do I mean that? What do I mean by that? All right, let me, let, me, let me ask you this question. What is it? Now, be honest. I know everybody's going to holler. Oh, I don't have to do nothing, you know, but seriously. Remember, we're talking about the heart, right? And only you, you don't have to throw anything out at me. You ask yourself this question. What is it that you must do to be healed? Okay, now listen. Hold on, hold on. Wait now. Be very careful how you answer that question. Because however you answer the question, what must I do to be healed? However you answer that, whatever the answer is to that question, that is also how you are disqualifying yourself from being healed. Yeah, yeah. See, we often dictate the terms of our own healing, which means as a byproduct, listen to me, we determine what it is, we determine the means through which we get healed, which means we are also determining what it is that will keep us from being healed. Because whatever you say it is that you must do to be healed, you are automatically saying, this is what will keep me from being healed. Mark 5, verses 25 through 29. Very familiar scripture here. And this is one of those messages... we, I just want you and I want me to, let's be honest in our hearts. Let's be honest what's going on in our heart, okay? But look here, 
5, Mark 5, 25. Now, a certain woman had a flow, uh, of, yeah, a flow of blood for 12 years and had suffered many things from many physicians. She had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, If only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. For what? For she said. Verse 29. And notice when this happened, immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. Now here's the thing. There is no scripture in Genesis through Malachi, the Old Testament, that says if you touch a rabbi's garment, that you will be healed. Not one. Not one. But what we do in the modern church is, we say, well, that's how I got healed. That's how he got healed. That's how she got healed. That means that works, so I'm going to do it. So we begin to put our faith in our experience. We put our faith in someone else's experience rather than Scripture. Now listen to me, hold on, but it worked. I know it worked, but why did it work? She believed that it would work. She dictated the terms of her own healing. Now, here's why this is powerful. What would have happened? Now notice, before she went to him, she said within herself, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I'll be healed. Let me ask you this. This is the way I read Scripture. What if she hadn't got close enough? What if Jesus is there, his garment is there, and she's here, and she can't touch it? What would have happened? She wouldn't have been healed. Why? Because she said within herself, if I can touch the hem of his garment, I'll be healed. She dictated the terms of her healing, which means she was the one who determined what it was that wouldn't heal her. Her unbiblical stipulation, listen to me, her unbiblical stipulation could have been her unbiblical disqualification. Your unbiblical stipulation could be your unbiblical disqualification. Mark chapter 6, verse 56. Look at this. This is powerful. Now, notice we just read Mark 5, 25 through 29. Look what happens in the very next chapter. So this is afterwards. Mark 6, 50, uh, 56. Yeah. Mark 6, 56. Wherever he entered into villages, now he being Jesus, cities or the country, they laid the sick in the marketplaces, look here, and begged him that they might just touch the hem of his garment. Where'd they get that from? (laughs) She went home. Ruth listened to me last week. She went home. She made the Facebook post. Just touched the hem of his garment. Got healed after 12 years. Fully healed. And all of a sudden that baby went viral. And then what happened? Villages, cities, everywhere else, they said, it worked for her, it'll work for me. All of a sudden, it became more about touching 
clothes than it was about Jesus. Now, remember what I said about her. You know what this tells me? Look, it says, as many as touched him were made well. Here's what that tells me. As many as didn't touch him were not made well. Why? Because their unbiblical stipulations became their unbiblical disqualification. So they were receiving their healing not based on a promise in Scripture, but on the experience of someone else. Listen to me. This is why we sh- even, uh, even the circles that teach healing, this is the reason we struggle with healing. Because we depend, uh, you know, like I said, uh, man, I'm, I'm thankful for what the Word of Faith movement added, uh, you know, did, has added to my life. But listen, a lot of Word of Faith teaching is based on one person's experience and how they got healed. And so what they did was they took, they made a formula out of it. All right? And listen to me. Have some people got results? Yeah, but a lot of people have not. Why? Because since he got healed that way, that must be how I get healed. So I've got the ABCs of healing. Right? And listen, there is no... Spoiler. There's no ABCs of healing. There's only a J. Jesus. That's it. That's it. All right? So, listen here. Jesus said that it is our traditions that make void the Word of God. Now, we read traditions and we think, well, the Baptists, the Pentecostals, the Church of God, the Assemblies of God, Church of Christ, you know, we think about denominations. But within the last hundred years, denominations aren't really the thing no more. Now we've got movements, right? We had the healing movement, we had the Word of Faith movement, we've had the grace movement. And I'm telling you right now, even though there's not like a website that says this is the, the grace doctrine, this is the word of faith doctrine, this is the healing doctrine, what we've done is we've made our own traditions within those camps. Because every, every single individual on this earth longs to be accepted. And when we find a camp, a tribe, a people that accept us, Because we've been rejected so much in our life, here's some more of that heart stuff, because we've been rejected so much in our life, we find people that accept us, we're happy, so we take on their beliefs. And when someone challenges one of those beliefs, we freak out. Why? Because we think, if I begin to see something a little different, I'll be rejected. All right? Listen, I got news for you. Within the last few years, I've... I've been, you know, the, the grace people have got mad at me, right? The legalists get mad at me, then the grace people get mad at me. And the other day, I was discouraged about that, just being genuine. I was like, man, I'm getting, every time I open my Facebook, there's somebody mad at me, you know. And here's the thing, though. The Word of Faith movement will not abide forever. The hyper-grace movement will not abide forever. But the Word of God will abide forever. I don't care about word of faith. I don't care about hyper grace. I don't care about your camp. I don't care about grace points of statement of doctrine. I don't care about that. I care about the word of God. Why? Because it will abide forever. Right? So, so here's the thing. 
So we've got these traditions that we've created. Here's what a tradition is. It's not a denomination. It's a rumor. A tradition is a rumor about God. So what we have done is we've began believing rumors about God and those are the things that are hindering us from receiving our healing. See, these people in Mark 6 were trying to, and many did, receive a healing based on a rumor they heard about Jesus. Alright? That means that many people were not healed because of the rumors they heard about Jesus. So a tradition is just a rumor. It's second-hand information. You don't know why you believe that. You've just heard that. People you, you honor, you respect, they believe that. So you adopt it, right? But, but listen, here's what I want you to get. The truth of God is always better than rumors about Him. The truth of God is always better than rumors about Him. All right? Um, so, let's do this. Why aren't you healed? And why is it that healing seems so hard? We can answer these questions by answering another question. What is it that you think you have to do to be healed by Jesus? So, any reason you claim is why God hasn't or can't heal you is a limit. Listen to this. Any reason that you state, this is why I've not been healed, this is why I can't be healed, that is a limitation that you've placed on God. Now that seems blasphemous. Psalm 78, verse 40. Psalm 78, verse 40. So the psalmist speaking here says, How often they, when he says they, he's referring to Israel in the wilderness. How often the children of Israel provoked him, him being God in the wilderness, and grieved him in the desert. Look here, verse 41. Yes, again and again they tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. They limited God. Did you know that you can actually limit God? Now, is God all-powerful? Yes. Is God all-knowing? Yes. All right. That's not the issue. The issue is they were limiting what God could do in their life. So many times we are limiting what God can do in our life. Right? So, so the psalmist here, he's saying, listen, they, Jesus brought this out. Remember when he's talking to Israel in Matthew 23, he said, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how often I would have gathered you like a hen gathers her babies. But you would not. He was trying to keep them from the tragedy that was going to happen 40 years later. When Rome came in and just destroyed them, and we didn't hear of Israel again for almost 2,000 years as a nation. Right? But Jesus said, listen, trying to stop it. We're trying to I'm trying to stop it. I'm trying to stop it. But they limited him. Right? So many times we limit what God can do in our life. So here's what I want to ask you this morning. You've answered the question in your heart. What is it that I believe that I must do to be healed? 
Here's what we're going to do today. We're going to get rid of that. We're going to get rid of that. All right? Because here's the thing. I want to highlight three major traditions or rumors that hinder people from, from being healed by Jesus. Now, there's more, but these are the three big ones. And let me say this. The only hindrance to you being healed is that you believe there are hindrances to you being healed. That the only thing stopping you from being healed is that you believe there's something that can stop you from being healed. All right. We're going to do three. Let's talk about the first rumor. Rumors about God's will. God's will is for everyone to be healed of everything, every time. God's will is for everyone to be healed of everything, every time. Ephesians 5 verse 17. The will of God is not mysterious. How many of you have heard, and maybe you've even said, look here, Ephesians 5.17, Therefore do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. How many of you have heard that God works in mysterious ways? How many of you have said God moves in mysterious ways? Right? Listen, I'm not saying we can figure God out. Right? You live here 120 years, you'll get to heaven in the first second, you'll see something, you wow, I did not see that coming. Right? But what I am saying is, you can know his character and nature. And if you know his character and nature, he's no longer mysterious. I'm going to say something again that sounds blasphemous. God's predictable. If God wasn't predictable, you couldn't have faith. You can't have faith where the will of God is not known. See, God's predictable. What I mean by that, God's a faith God. Faith confesses the end from the beginning, right? Faith confesses the end from the beginning. Faith confesses the end from the beginning. But if you don't know what the end is, you can't confess it from the beginning. So the only way you can know what the end is is to know what the will is in the beginning. So we can, look here what he says though, Paul speaking, he said, understand what the will of the Lord is. So the will of God, listen to this, it's not something you throw onto the end of prayer, if it be your will. Now, the will of God is not something you throw onto the end of, the end of a prayer. The will of God is something you get into the Scriptures and find out. Now, are there things that we need to seek the will of God about? Yes, right? Uh, what job does God want me to take? What mate does God want me to have if you're single? Um, you, know, uh, you know, where does God want me to live? What house does He want me to buy? What car? You know, all, all these things. We need to seek what the will of the Lord is. We need His wisdom. But there are things that we don't have to seek His will about because He's already revealed them. Why? Because He's legally paid for them. All right? Um... Remember, now listen, anything we believe about healing, we have to find it in the, in the life of Jesus. You have to. 
If you have this idea about healing or anything else and you don't see it in the life of Jesus, listen, be cautious. A few weeks ago we talked about generational curses. I don't ever see where Jesus broke a generational curse off someone. Do we need to preach that again? Right? So listen to me. 1 John chapter 5, verse 14 and 15. Here's what I was getting at. Not one time in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John did someone come to Jesus for healing and Him say, All right, Father, if it's Your will, heal this person. Hold on, let me check and see if it's the will of God for you to be healed before we do this. Lord, is it Your will for this person to be healed? Or is it Your will to heal them by taking them to heaven? Folks, that's not healing. Dying and going to heaven is not healing. It's better, but it's not healing. Better for you, not better for your kids, not better for your spouse, not better for your church, not better for your family, better for you, not better for everybody else. Right? So, And it might not even be better for you. You stick around a few more years, you're going to get more reward. Right? You're going to miss out on reward if you check out early. But listen, Jesus never sought the will of God about healing. He always said, I only do what I see my Father do. And what do we read in Acts 10.38? Jesus went around healing them all. You know why? He's seen His Father's will every time was to heal them all. Alright? That was the will of God. So look here, 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5 and verse 14 and 15. Now this is the confidence. Do you realize you're supposed to have confidence when you pray? If you throw, if it be your will, like I did for so many years until the end of the prayer, there's no confidence there. It's, like, it's just a wish. It's, it's just a wish. But we're to have confidence. Now this is the... Now notice, this is the confidence. He's about to tell us what gives you confidence that we have in Him that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. Now here's what we think. Felicia, can you hear me? We think that's what that's talking about. That, oh, well, when I talk, God can hear me. That's not the context. Jesus, when He taught on prayer, He taught God as representing being symbolically God as three things. When He taught on prayer, He talked about God as a Father. Just like a child goes to their father and asks for something, and it's really not an asking, it's a demanding. Uh, he taught that's how God is in prayer. He also taught that God was like a friend in prayer, who you go to in the middle of the night, you need something, and you can guarantee if he's got it, he's going to give it to you. But the third one, and this is the one that we tend to kind of step over because we don't like, you know, it sounds so close to legalism, but the third one is a judge. Now, if you see a big case in the news, you know, there's, this is happening and all that, they'll talk about the judge that is going to what? Hear the case. This is the judge that will hear the case. All right? Now, the legal document, we talk about this, this book. This is our legal document. We know that. You know, we call it the Bible. Now, I like in Exodus 24, 7, and 2 Kings, I think it's 21, 23, it might be 23, 21. But the Jews called their scriptures 
The book of the covenant. Not covenants, which is what we do. Old covenant, new covenant. I'm aware there's an old covenant, new covenant. But, but, all right. The covenant is the legal document. The closest thing we got to it is a contract. But a contract doesn't even come close to how powerful a covenant is. Why do we enter contracts? Because a contract is your way of saying, all right, this is what you will do, and this is what I will do. If this happens, you do this, I do that. If this happens, you know, it's, it's so, we, so we can know. We can have what? Confidence. What we're getting in that situation. What we're getting out of that relationship. This book of the covenant gives us confidence so we can know the will of God. He said, I am the Lord that heals you. That was not just, listen, that was before he even made the old covenant. We call it a covenant name of God, Jehovah Rapha. That's actually what he said. I am the Lord that heals you. He said, I am Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals. That's a covenant name of God, and it didn't just pertain to the old covenant. He gave that five chapters before he established the old covenant. So, so here's, here's what I'm getting at. Anytime God gave a covenant name, he said, this is who I am, I change not. Right? So he's still the Lord who he, uh, heals us. But listen what I'm getting at. If we ask anything, listen, will, don't think will, like, do you want to do this? Will you do this? Don't think of will that way. He's talking about legal prayer. Here's the way I think you should read it. He's talking about a will as in a last will and testament. So if we ask anything according to his covenant, he takes up the case. See, we need to learn to pray legally. There are legal... We're not legalists, but we have a legal inheritance. Legally, it is ours. So, legally, healing is yours. And so, if the enemy has put sickness upon you, and it's never God, it's the enemy, if the enemy's put sickness upon you, that is illegal in your life. Because your legal right is healing. Alright? And so, do you understand? That's what Jesus was talking about when he talked about binding and loosing. Binding and loosing, listen to me. I don't care what you've heard. Binding and loosing has nothing to do with the demons. Now, it can if you're dealing with demonic. Demonic's, you know, running in your life. Here, binding and loosing, what is it? Binding is you declaring that something is illegal and unlawful in your life. Why? Because it has been declared illegal and unlawful in heaven. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. If your idea of God's will isn't taking place in heaven, guess what? You're wrong about God's will. Well, I believe God put this sickness on me. Do you think He'll put a sickness on you in heaven? Because if not, that's not His will. Well, I believe God wants me to be broke. Do you think you are the one person that He's going to say, don't, t- don't walk on the streets of gold? Right? His will is simply His covenant. So we need to learn to pray 
legally. Because legally, can, it lets us know what God's will is. But verse 15, listen to this. And if we know that He hears us or He takes up the case, whatever we ask, now let me ask you, whatever, is whatever healing? Here's our problem. We don't believe whatever means whatever. Now listen, obviously, He's not going to bless you. Obviously, it's not His will for you to go out and rob a bank. Okay, obviously it's not his will for you to have someone else's spouse. Obviously these things, but listen, anything you see Jesus doing, any promise you see in the Bible, it's legally yours. It's for you, and it is a whatever. And whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. There is no uncertainty here, right? There is no uncertainty here. So... Let's go to the next one, because this is a big one. I just want to hurry up and get to this one. All right, let's talk about rumors about sin. John chapter 5, verse 1. Let's talk about rumors about sin. Because this is a big one. People I love, people I honor, I've had them tell me growing up, or you know, not necessarily growing up like a kid, but you know, coming up in church, I heard people say, you have to be living pretty good to be healed by God. Come on now, listen. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool, which is called in Hebrew Bethesda, having five porches. Uh, John chapter 5, going to verse 3. In these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water. Now listen here. Then whoever stepped in first at the string of the water was made well of whatever disease he had. I just want to say there's no place in the Scripture that set this place up. Now, I'm not saying that people weren't being healed. It says people were being healed. But again, I wonder if the whole, the way this place got set up was somebody got healed in the water. And then all of a sudden there was rumors. You get in the water first, you'll be healed. And I wonder who it was that got in the water first and then the next person come on. Hey, 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 hey. Only one. I done got it. Right? I just wondered. Listen, think about these things. Verse 5, Now a certain man was there who had an infirmity 38 years. Think about hope deferred makes the heart sick. You want to talk about a sick heart? This man had a sick heart. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been in that condition a long time, he said to him, I want you to list this. Do you want to be made well? That sounds like a dumb question. Jesus knew what to ask. There's a reason Jesus asked this. Do you want to be made well? The sick man answered him, and listen, so here's what I want, here's what I want to know. This is the only question Jesus asked him. Jesus did not ask him, do you got sin in your life? Was, you, was your great-uncle or great-grandpa a Freemason? What's going on in your bloodline? Let's talk about it. He didn't do that. He just said, you want to be healed? And here, let me say this. I think there's a reason he didn't just say, do you want to be healed? Remember, this man's been like his 38 years. This man's also got a sick heart. He's got a sick soul. So Jesus says, do you want to be made well? That word well could also be translated whole. And I think King James might say that. 
Verse 7. The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up, but while I am coming, another steps down before me. And here, if I was, here's what Jesus is basically about to say. You don't need the water. You don't need a man to pick you up. You just need me. That's a word for you this morning. You don't need anything but Jesus to be healed this morning. Verse 8, Jesus said to him, Rise, take up your bed and walk. And immediately the man was made well, took up his bed and walked, and that day was the Sabbath. The Jews therefore said to him, Who was cured? Uh, said to him, Who was cured? It is the Sabbath. It is not lawful for you to carry your bed. Man. I ain't going to say anything else. I'll get messages if I go on about that one. Uh, But the one who was healed did not know who it was. For Jesus had withdrawn, a multitude being in that place. Afterward, Jesus found him in the temple, listen here, and said to him, See, you have been made well. Here's what he's saying. See, you didn't even need water. See, you didn't even need another man to pick you up. See, you've been made well. Now, here's what I'm here. Sin no more lest the worst thing come upon you. Alright? So, here's the way, I maybe I viewed this for years and I've heard it taught for years. Okay, yeah, Jesus healed him freely, but then Jesus said, if you sin, it's going to get worse. And the idea being, alright, if you sin, God's going to put something worse on you. Alright, two things I want to bring out. First, Jesus didn't command him to stop sinning before he healed him. This takes place after he was healed, not before he was healed. Alright, so Jesus, this this isn't a command. Listen to me, this also isn't a warning. What is it? It's wisdom. Sin will always produce death in your life. Sickness is just an attempt at death. The common cold would kill you if it could. Allergies would kill you if it could. Anything that comes in your life, it has one purpose. Any sickness that comes in your life has one purpose, to kill you, to take from you. All right? So listen to me. This is important. What I'm discussing this morning is being healed, not living in divine health. You can be healed. I don't care if you're in unbelief. I don't care if you're struggling with your faith. I don't care uh, if you're in sin. I don't care if right now you're in sin and you're just wanting to throw something at me. You can be healed. I don't care what you did this morning. You can be healed. You don't have to come up here and repent. Let's do something about it. No. Right now, you can be healed. But now, living in health, that's different. Living in divine health is going to take some wisdom. It's going to take some repentance. And when I say repentance, I'm not meaning get rid of all the stuff in your life. Repentance, a change of mind that changes the actions we take. Alright? You might have to change. The Spirit of God might tell you, quit eating honey buns. The Spirit of God, I only know that because, man, I cannot eat honey buns. 
But uh, the Spirit of God might tell you, like Paul did Timothy, stop drinking the water, drink a little wine. All right? So there is a difference in divine health and being healed. You can be healed right now. But if you want to live in divine health, you and, you and the Spirit, you're going to have to work on some things. 3 John chapter 2 says, Beloved, I pray that you may be in health and prosper. What? Now notice he did not say, I pray that you may be healed. He said, I pray that you may be in health and prosper. What? Just as your soul prospers. See, divine health, you've got to work on that heart like we talked about last week. You've got you to gotta deal with these wrong beliefs, like we talked about a couple of weeks ago. You have to deal with these things if you want to live in divine health. God might have you change some eating habits. He might have you go for a run. He might have you do different things to live in divine health. But to get healed, all you need is Jesus. All you need is Jesus. And one, th- one more thing, be willing. See, all right, and that's, that's going to that's gonna get us to the next one. Hold on. So, but if you're living in sin, I have two things to say this morning. First, stop. Sin is destructive. It will ruin your life. Like people say, it'll take you further than you want to go and it'll keep you longer than you want to stay. Sin is destructive. I, Grant Fraley, am anti-sin. Do not sin. If you're sinning this morning... Stop. That's the first thing I got to say to you. The second thing I got to say to you is if you're in sin, that still doesn't hinder the power of God from healing you this morning. Where sin does abound, grace does much more abound. You have been healed. Right? So, let's go to the third and final one. So, the first one, Rumors about God's will. The second one, rumors about sin. The third one, this is one's going to make people mad at me. Rumors about faith. Mark chapter 9, verses 14 through 29. Mark chapter 9, 14 through 29. And when he came to the disciples, he being Jesus... He saw a great multitude around them and scribes disputing with them. Immediately when they saw him, all the people were greatly amazed and running to him, greeted him. And he asked the scribes, what are you discussing with them? Then one of the crowd answered and said, Teacher, I brought you my son who has a mute spirit. And wherever it seizes him, it throws him down. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. So I spoke to your disciples that they should cast it out, but they could not. This is what's powerful. They had literally just returned to Jesus, excited over all the people they'd just seen healed. And here comes one, and they can't heal him. He answered him and said, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. Then they brought him to him, brought the boy to Jesus. And when he saw him, immediately the spirit convulsed him and he fell on the ground and wallowed, foaming at the mouth. This has always blew my mind, what Jesus does next. So he asked the father, how long has this been happening to him? This blows my mind. 
Because if you've ever been around somebody having a seizure, it is a chaotic moment. It is a chaotic environment. Here's, G, here's this boy, starts having a seizure, drops down, he's foaming at the mouth. Jesus looks at him, watches him, looks at the dad. How long has he been doing this? No panic. That's powerful to me. You know why that's powerful to me? Jesus, speaking of you, my peace I give to you. Hmm. And he said from childhood. Now, if I'm the father, I'm saying, what's it matter? Heal him. Do something. Right? He said from childhood... And often, and often he has thrown him both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Jesus said to him, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Now, in the, in, in the more literal versions, what Jesus actually says is, what do you mean if I can? If you can believe, all things are possible. Alright? So, does Jesus sort of turn the responsibility back? Yeah, but notice something. Notice what, what happens here. Um, verse 23, Jesus said to him, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Look here. Verse 24. Immediately the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Now, people I greatly honor, people I greatly glean from, will say that the, re the problem, the thing that could be keeping you from being healed is unbelief. That, yeah, you might have faith, but now your unbelief will negate and cancel out the faith. Or, the yeah, the unbelief will negate the, the faith. All right? Now, here's my problem with that. This would you say that the father of this child just admitted, I've got some unbelief? Even his question, if you can do anything. And then he says, Lord, I believe. I believe you can do this. I, I believe it's possible. I wouldn't be here if I didn't think it was possible. But Lord, you're going to have to help my unbelief. Now, some, uh, in some streams, like I said, people I honor, people I look up to, they'd say, right there, you just, he just ruined it. He admitted he's got unbelief. You've got to get rid of the unbelief for Jesus can do anything about it. Look what happens. Verse 25, When Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, Deaf and dumb spirit, I command you, come out of him and enter him no more. Then the spirit cried out, convulsed him greatly, and came out of him, and he became as uh, one dead, so that many said, He is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. And when he had come into the house, his disciples asked him privately, Why could we not cast it out? So he said to him, This kind can come out by nothing but prayer and fasting. Now, I want to look at Matthew 17, verses 19 through 21. This is the same story, but listen to Jesus' answer 
to them. All right, so the, the, the father admitted he had unbelief. He had faith, but he had unbelief. Jesus still healed his son. Jesus still healed his son. So the disciples come and they're like, well, why, why couldn't we heal him? Look what Jesus said. Matthew 17, 19, disciples came to Jesus privately and said, why could we not cast out? I love that they came privately because they were embarrassed that it didn't work for them. All right, verse 20. So Jesus said to them, look here, I want you to notice something. Because of your unbelief. Not the Father's. Because of your unbelief. Not the Father's. He said, the Father's unbelief didn't stop me from healing His Son. But His unbelief, his unbelief is not the issue. Why couldn't you cast it out? Because of your unbelief. You want me to tell you the number one reason you hear us ministers say that unbelief is the issue? It's a cop-out. It's getting rid of responsibility. Now, is faith required for, for healing? I believe faith is required somewhere for healing. But it doesn't have to be the sick person that brings it. The faith, the power of God in me, not the faith in me, the power of God in me, can overcome any unbelief in you. you got to be confident in that. See, don't just... Listen, when you pray for somebody and they're not healed, don't you ever put the blame back on them. Take responsibility. Don't say, well, I know it's not God, but it might be you, it might be me. Nope, I know it's not God. I'm not going to say it's you. It must be me. Because of your unbelief. Now, listen, again... Think about the centurion's, the centurion's servant. The centurion comes to Jesus says, I want you to heal my servant, uh, but you ain't even got to come to my house. I'm unworthy for you to come to my house. Just speak the word and he'll be healed. There's no mention of the servant having faith. Jesus turns and he says, according to your, the centurion's faith, may it be unto you. Not the servant, not the one needing the healing, but the one who came to Jesus on behalf of him. Alright, no mention of the servant. What about the lame man with the friends who couldn't get him into the house so they tore off the roof and began to lower him down? It says, and when Jesus saw their faith, doesn't say anything about that guy on the map. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, then listen, and you know what? You know why I don't think that guy had much faith? Because then Jesus says, son, your sins are forgiven you. This man had a sick heart. This man had a broken heart. This man had a bruised heart. And listen, when people have been sick for a long time, when listen, when people have been sick for more than a day, it gets hard sometimes. And that's why we need one another. Man, I'm struggling. Listen, there's no shame in it. I'm struggling to believe for this. I know we can. Can you make up the gap? Come on, listen, let's believe that the power of God in us is greater than the unbelief in anyone else. James chapter 5, Is any among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and they'll anoint him with oil and pray over him. It says, And the prayer of faith shall save the sick. 
The, it's not because it's the elders doing it. It's not because they're using oil. It's because they're praying in faith. Alright? So again, and listen to this. Jesus said, well, let's read on here Matthew 17. Look what he says. Matthew 17, uh, verse 20. Because of your unbelief, for assuredly I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, I've heard, I've never seen one, but I've seen people show it and stuff, but that a mustard seed is pretty small. But yet we have people that come along and say when you're not healed, well, your faith's not big enough. Your faith's not strong enough. You need to get more faith. Faith, 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 faith. Jesus said if you had faith, the tiniest amount of faith, you could do what? You could speak to a mountain. In another uh, thing that's in Luke, he said you could speak to a tree and it'd be plucked up by the roots. You can speak to a mountain and it would be removed. With what? A tiny bit of faith. So if a tiny bit of faith can move a mountain, root up a tree, then it can dissolve a tumor. It can heal bones with arthritis. It can heal, it can heal anything. A little bit of faith. Well, Jesus said, you know, oh, you have little faith. Here's the amazing thing to me. Every time Jesus said, according to your... Listen, one time I was struggling really bad is when Keisha was pregnant with Graham. Man, I just went through like a month of panic attacks. And you know, when you deal with that stuff, your, your digestive system just goes nuts on you. And you start having digestive problems. And uh, I was having digestive problems, and I reached out to a man. And I said, you know, I need you to pray for me. I'm dealing with this stuff. And he's like, you know, do this and you'll be healed. And, you know, I didn't understand things back then, so I do it. And, you know, I go to bed. Next morning I wake up and I'm still dealing with it. So I go to him and I'm like, I send him a message. I'm like, listen, still dealing with it. And you know what he wrote back? According to your faith, be it unto you. Listen. Every time Jesus said, according to your faith, be it unto you, people got healed. No one ever didn't get healed, and then Jesus said, well, according to your faith, be it unto you. Well, what about, oh, you of little faith? Peter, oh, you of little faith. With a little bit of faith, Peter walked on the water. What he was saying to Peter is, Peter, look what you did with a little bit of faith. Look what you did with a little bit of faith. Right? And listen, guys, you, and, and that amount of faith issue, it is never once brought up in the epistles. Not one time. When Jesus talked about little faith, uh, he talked about mega faith in the Greek, uh, great is your faith. Listen, not one time in the epistles do we read anything like that. Cars drive, planes fly, believers believe, right? You are saved by grace through faith. You couldn't be saved if you didn't have faith. Faith is in there. You've got faith. Right? So if you didn't have faith, you couldn't be saved. You have faith. So notice that Jesus said the hindrance to healing in this case wasn't the unbelief of the one in need of healing, but the unbelief of those administering it. And I've had friends that get mad at me when I bring this up. And they're like, no, 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 I know. I've prayed for people and they, they, they weren't healed. They had unbelief. Now listen, I'm not saying you can sit there and say, no, I will not be healed when you pray for me. Listen, you can't be in reverse, but if you'll be in neutral, the power of God can pull me in you. 
right? Don't be in reverse. Don't be trying to fight me on it. But if you'll put that baby in neutral, if you'll get your heart in neutral, I trust the power of God in me, the power of God in you praying for somebody will pull them to healing, will pull them the rest of the way, right? So Philemon, verse 6. Uh, it's only, that, that book's only one chapter. Um, he said, he said, I pray that your faith might become the sharing of your faith, which just means the imparting of your faith, the using of your faith, may become effective. The issue is not, do I have enough faith? The issue is, under the new covenant, have I activated my faith? Because if my faith can be effective, here's the way I read the Bible, that means it can be ineffective. Well, how does it become effective? By getting the sin out of your life? No. By dealing with the generational curses? No. By going to church, by tithing, by doing good things? No. By the acknowledgement of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. So how is your faith activated? When you acknowledge it. When you acknowledge, Lord, I have the faith. I have the faith of God. I have the faith of Jesus. When you acknowledge, listen, healing is one of the good things that you have in Christ Jesus. Remember I said you need to pray legally? Legally, healing is yours. It's bought for, paid for, right? It is yours. Legally, you have healing. Hosea 11.3 is, is my favorite healing verse in the Bible. And I've never, not one time, I know of the best healing teachers in the world. Listen to hours upon hours upon hours of them. I've never heard one ever use Hosea 11, verse 3. Hosea 11, verse 3 says, I healed them, and they knew it not. Now, I give to you, is he talking about spiritual healing? More than likely, yes, I give you that. But there's a principle here, that you can be healed and not know it. For every person who is in Christ, you have been healed. The issue is, do you know it? If you, if you don't know it, guess what? I just took your excuse. Now you know it. Right? By His stripes, you were healed. Not you can be, not you might be. You were, past tense, healed. As far as God's concerned, done. It's in you. Listen, you don't just have healing in you. You have the healer in you. The one that you read about in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John who went about healing all who were oppressed of the devil, he's in you. The healer is in you. Man, I love that, that song that, that uh, the worship team sung this morning about the Holy Spirit. Listen, I love in the book of Joel, uh, Joel it says that I will pour out my Spirit in the last days. Peter, though, adds a word. Two words. That totally changed the meaning of that. Joel prophesied, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Peter quoted it and said, I will pour out of my spirit. Where's the spirit? In you. Acts chapter 2, the spirit came. 
He's been dwelling in believers ever since. That's why we never again in the book of Acts see the Spirit necessarily fall. I think in Acts 10 it, it says something like that. But most of the time, what happens? Somebody filled with the Spirit laid their hands on the person who wanted to be filled with the Spirit. And what happened? He poured out of His Spirit. Right? So listen, you have it. The healer is in you. So you're not trying to get healing to come, come down. You're trying to just, all you got to do is release healing. And remember what I said, scriptures, we're trying to paint a picture. We're trying. You, remember I said I'm titling this teaching, it's easy to be healed by Jesus. And I know when I say that, you might think that's not my experience. I'm trying to get you to just change the way you see things. Go around and begin to acknowledge that. It's easy to be healed by Jesus. It's easy to be healed by Jesus. It's easy to be healed by Jesus. If you struggle, if you struggle hearing the voice of God, it's easy to hear the voice of God. It's easy to hear the voice of God. Right? If you need to be led by the Spirit, it's easy to be led by the Spirit. It is easy to be led by the Spirit. Jesus, you know, Jesus came and He corrected the Pharisees because they made things so hard. That's why He said, take my yoke upon you. For I'm gentle and lowly in heart. Right? So Jesus actually came. He made things easy. So remember Exodus 23. Let's go back there. Exodus 23, verse 25. The light switch, or like I shared with the phone. Look, you need to look at healing this easy. Now it's on. Now it's off. I need healing. Now I don't need healing. There it is, right? That's it. It's trying to paint a picture for us. That all we have to do is turn the switch on. How do we turn the switch on? You acknowledge it. Acknowledging, listen, it's, it's something that takes place in the heart and it's something that takes place with the mouth. Right? Um, so Exodus 23, 25, he said, You shall serve the Lord your God. Now let me say this. There are things that have changed from the Old Covenant to the New Covenant. Alright? Under the Old Covenant... There were conditions tied to the promises of God. But under the new covenant, those conditions have been met for those in Christ Jesus. Because Jesus kept every if, He watched out for every but, He, he, he met all the conditions. And now where are you? You're in Him. So the only way that God cannot fulfill a promise is to tell Jesus no. And i got news for you. He's not going to tell Jesus no. Colossians 1.12 says, Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance. Part of your inheritance, part of your inheritance is healing. Right? And who qualified you? Look, your qualification isn't in a what. It's not in touching the road. It's not in getting the sin out of your life. It's not in coming to church. It's not in getting me to ho uh, lay hands on you. It is in, your qualification is in Jesus. So the one question for you this morning is, are you in Jesus? If you're in Jesus, you're qualified. If you're not in Jesus, good news, it's pretty easy to get in Jesus. Right? 
2 Corinthians 1.20, I want to read this out of the New International Version. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through Him the Amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. Amen just means so be it in my life. So be it in my life. So listen, here's what I'm getting at. There's nothing you have to do to qualify for healing this morning. He says yes to your healing. He has already said yes to your healing. Sean, can we uh, get some music for, for a few minutes, please? And... Um, I want you to just take a few minutes. And I want you to see yourself being healed by Jesus. There's no qualification you have to meet. There's no hurdle you have to jump. There's nothing you have to get out of your life. about me this morning and here's the good news it's not about you it's not about you it's about Jesus he's qualified you he's paid for your healing he's taken care of it now you have one job this morning let Jesus heal you I don't care how long you've been struggling with it I don't care if you were born with it I don't care if you're like the man we read about who struggled for 38 years the lady we read about who struggled for 12 years. You know what their experience was? I don't care what your experience has been. I don't care. You know, if you'd ask that lady, she'd say, listen, I've been to the doctors. There's nothing more they can do. Jesus said, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Because if you would ask that man who struggled for 38 years and then that woman who struggled for, for 12, you ask them, was it easy to be healed by Jesus? The answer was yes. The answer is yes. So this morning, the answer is yes. It's easy. Listen. It's easy for you to be healed by Jesus. It's easy. It's easy. Everybody raise your hands. We're going to release right now the healing power of God. If you don't need anything in your body, healthy. I want you to agree with me and agree that anywhere in this room 
that healing is needed, that you have that power in you, and it's going into that individual, and it is healing everything wrong in their body. That what is wrong, it is making right. That what needs to be rooted out, it's getting rid of. That what needs to be taken care of, it's going to be taken care of. You have that power this morning. If you're in here sick this morning, everybody in here, I already know. Because I know you all. You're all believers. You have that power in you. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, we thank you that it is easy to be healed by Jesus. And right now, I release the healing power of God into these people that need healing in their bodies. I command their bodies to line up with the Word of God which says, by His stripes you were healed. I command every wrong to be made right. I command cysts to dissolve, tumors to dissolve. I command the, the joints to be strengthened in Jesus' name. I command the blood in bodies I command it to just be pure in Jesus' name. I command brains to be healthy in Jesus' name. I command fogginess to go in Jesus' name. Migraines to go in Jesus' name. Tumors to dissolve in Jesus' name. I command eyesight to be healed in Jesus' name. Somebody you got you're, you're, you struggle with your hands, like that they don't they're stiff on you. Right now, I command those joints to be healed in Jesus' name. I command bladders to be healed in Jesus' name. Kidneys to be healed in Jesus' name. Blood pressure be perfect in Jesus' name. Cholesterol, be perfect in Jesus' name. Ears, I command you to be healed in Jesus' name. Hear perfectly, without any aid, right now, in Jesus' name. Sense of smell being restored right now, in Jesus' name. A right ankle being healed right now, in Jesus' name. Digestive issues being healed right now, in Jesus' name. Anxiety has to go right now in Jesus' name. Depression has to go right now in Jesus' name. Fatty liver healed right now in Jesus' name. Back problems. There's a, a, a shoulder, like, like in the, the left shoulder blade. Healed right now in Jesus' name. Back problems healed in Jesus' name. Someone you've been you've been dealing with, I don't know if anxiety or worry is the right word, but you don't like that you look at yourself and you see yourself naked. And you miss the days of your youth. Right now, in the name of Jesus, the days of your youth are being restored. The days of your youth are being restored. Your best days are ahead of you in Jesus' name. Today is a brand new day. From this moment on, you're healed. It's taken care of. It's paid for. It's bought. Your one duty is to believe it, receive it, 
living. It's easy to be healed by Jesus. If there's anything this morning that you're struggling with, that I've not brought up, that I've not spoken out, that doesn't matter. Because there's nothing hard for the Lord. There's nothing that made it off of that cross. There's not one sickness, not one pain, not one disease, not one struggle that made it off that cross. It was hammered to the cross, and that's where it stayed. You are healed in the name of Jesus. Now as they play, as they sing the chorus, let the Lord minister to you this morning. Let Him minister to you how easy it is to be healed.
Blessed 